Well, good afternoon. Today's Lots of Matzah Pizza Podcast, we bring in Brainerd High School head coach Dave Oss. Dave has a long history of high school hockey and college hockey coaching experience he's going to share with us, as well as being the son of uh, Hall of Fame head coach Pete Oss and cousin of Eric Oss and nephew of Whitey Oss. This ought to be a g- awesome show today, <laughs> and I cannot wait to dig in and, and talk with Dave Oss. I hope you enjoy the pod. Love is a burning thing And it makes a fiery ring Bound by wild desire I fell into a ring of fire. All right, Dave, welcome aboard. Welcome to the Lots of Matzah Pizza podcast from Brainerd, Minnesota. Hey, thank you. A beautiful day here in Brainerd, sitting on my back porch, just kind of enjoying a little sunset. Doing a little distance. Yeah. Doing some distance learning today, I would imagine, right? Yeah, yeah, a lot of that. Yeah, it's been crazy. uh, But like I said, it's been good for me, too. It kind of stretches you a little bit as a teacher and learn a lot of different new skills so it's been good yeah talk about some of those skills that you've had to learn you know learn as a result of distance learning because people take you know people see the a lot of our audience will see the the receiving end of it right as a as a student or a parent but a lot of people don't see the teaching end of it where you're gonna have to learn zoom and you're gonna have to learn all these other new things related to teaching far away kids far away oh for sure it's uh you know, it's, it's interesting because my, my wife is, is very type A. I'm very much not type A. And so it's been good for me to, you know, be here with my my wife and kids kind of shut down here, but she's taught me a ton in terms of just videoing uh, clips and posting them on my Google classroom and things like that. We've got great people here in Brainerd and our schools, our tech people are great. So it's, it's really, I mean, I, it, it blows me away how much in the last two weeks here I've, I've had, I had to learn technology wise and can be really uncomfortable, but then it's, you know, all of a sudden you start realizing, Hey, I, I can do some of this and I can do some of this on my own. And, you know, it's like picking up a guitar for the first time. You're, you're a little intimidated by it, but you start spending time with it and pretty soon you learn a few chords and, things like that and you you start to feel a lot better about yourself and that's kind of how it's been with uh with the tech stuff and i'm trying to have some fun with my kids too and in the videos that i'm putting it out and uh so it's been good it's been really good it's been very very busy i would say i'm far almost far more busy quite honestly getting this stuff set up than i am actually being face to face with our kids but uh like i said it's it's been good Many don't know this, but you're a special ed teacher. Are there different challenges in the special ed realm than than your normal teacher who's teaching math or English or social studies? Well, for sure. Um, you know, I've I've felt since I started this twenty some years ago that you know special ed teachers are a special breed. It, it I think takes a patient person. It takes a, a a person that's you know can relate to to situations. I grew up in a home with a sister you know that passed away when I was thirteen, who was severely disabled and uh, never walked. And and I I was I was given a lot of responsibility by my parents, and I'm thankful now you know that I'm in my fifties that they did what they did because they probably weren't thankful then, right? I, I wasn't it, it, there as were times much that, as much. No, no, because it, it was hard. I mean, I, there were times there was embarrassment and. And I wouldn't say shame, but, but it really exposed, you know, a lot of personality things in me. I think when I was young that I had to learn about myself and, you know, and when she passed away, it was, it was shocking. It was awful. It was horrible. And for a, for a young kid, um, you know, it was tough to go through, but I do think that it shaped me who, you know, who I am today a little bit and, it, it taught me a, a lot of compassion and, and, and grace and things like that, that, you know, I don't know that everyday people <clears throat> understand, you know, what, what it is that, that we always do. And then, 
you know, there's a lot of paperwork. There's a lot of federal guidelines that have to be adhered to, and that can be difficult. And, you know, trying to stay organized, it's it's taught me a lot and just being more organized. And um, there's, there's a lot of cool things that, that my profession has taught me and has probably made me a better hockey coach in a lot of ways too. We're going to get to that in just a second. But the from a special ed perspective, the a lot of times, you know, mainstreaming kids like you're teaching every on a daily basis – a lot of times it's a it's a break for the parents having them at school and learning, you know, almost like a kindergartner in in that kind of way. What are these families doing now? Is it is it there's more PCA time? I mean, the COVID thing is really tricky when it comes to the special ed sphere, wouldn't you say? Yeah, well, for sure, Tony. And and you bring up a good point with the PCAs and it sounds like you've got a pretty good grasp on that too, because there there's a lot of things that I've had, you know, that I've just been learning because I changed I went more from kind of dealing with kids with behavioral, uh, emotional issues the last well, almost 20 years to now moving into to a little bit different populations uh, of students where we're dealing with um, students with Down syndrome and, and severe autism and, and different things like that. So those kids are, you know, much more needy. And so I think it puts a lot of pressure on, on, on the families. And, and, you know, I, I, I'm lucky cause I work with a few really great ladies at, at Brainerd who, uh, who do this, uh, and have taught me a lot this year and have been really patient with me going, okay, Dave, this is, you know, this is what our day looks like here. And this is what we need you to do here. And, and uh, so I give a lot of credit to uh, to the to the folks I work with, Emily Fried and Beth Churdy, who are who are both great people to work with. And and uh, <clears throat> so I've learned a lot this year. It, it's it's been uh, it's been great. It's been a great change for me. It's been a, a kind of a almost like a rebirth again, uh, changing jobs. And and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate that our principal hired me to do this uh, last spring and. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm blessed to do what I do. So talk about the atmosphere. It almost be like coming into a brand new atmosphere. You leave a school uh, with special ed kids and you get to Brainerd, you get to the Essentia Health Center at 3.30 for practice and you have 20 kids ready to bounce off the wall and go yeah. crazy. How do you, how do you adjust, you know, and it's not a long commute from the school to the rink. So how do you prepare yourself for the differences? Yeah, well, it, it's, it is, it's a, it's a huge change because, um, you know, I, I wouldn't say so much this year, but the past four or five years, you know, dealing with maybe a little different population of student, maybe sometimes not quite as motivated going to, you know, a group of guys that are, you know, pretty highly motivated yeah. to get better and to form a team. And I, and I've always said, since I started this, that, it really is a great contrast um, for me and my day in the winter to, to be able to go from, from one to the, excuse me, from one to the other. And, and um, you know, I learn a, a lot in my teaching stuff. I mean, I learn a lot about, um, you know, I think motivation and, and, and trying to help kids understand what their strengths are and, and what their weaknesses are. And like I said, I think it just makes me a, 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 a better hockey coach at the end of the day too, having to go through that. But um, yeah, I mean, it's great. I I've got good staff here. Dave Stingram's one of my assistants. He's been here for 20 years. He's a Phi ed teacher over at Forest View middle school. Mm -hmm. Kurt King uh, is my other right-hand man. And, and Kurt uh, ran Tut's bait Garrison for years. And is that's gotta is be now, Olivia King's dad. Then you said, yeah, you said Garrison. I'm like, Oh, that's Garrison. <laughs> There's only one King from Garrison. That's the bait guy. And the yeah. five yeah. legendary goalie. Yeah. So, so Kinger is uh Kinger's great. And uh, he had some background as a sheriff uh, before he took over the store there. And, and uh, uh, Ryan Sharp, who's an Anoka grad, coaches our JV. He's a golf pro up here, was at Madden's, and now he's he works. The, he's the stuff. infamous uh, diamond yeah, cutter, he's the diamond he? cutter, yeah. So Sharpie does the diamond cutting. He's a younger guy. He relates really well to our kids. He's he's a hard worker, and, and the kids love him. And, 
Adam Ekstrand, who's a Brainerd grad, works at the Alternative School here in town, and and Chad Clefman, who's an Apollo grad, is a is a detective up here, and and uh, we have we've had goalie. We've got uh, Toby Kavelovog joined us this year as our goalie guy. Played at UND as a Bemidji yep. guy. He's a teacher. I know his dad, uh, his brother Shane. Yeah, yeah. Fishing, uh, fishing guide in the summer, and uh, had Chico Resch with us for a while. Jake Brandt, uh, yep, Roso grad, coached with us a few years. So we we've had uh, we've been lucky. We've had some good hockey people and uh, some great guys and guys that are I think fairly popular. You know, guys like Brandt who are really popular in the community here, and and uh, that's been great. I, I've been really lucky that I've had some. I've been able to surround myself with with some some pretty good people here and, it, and uh it it makes it really enjoyable and quite honestly tony as a high school coach you you i learned early that your best friends really become your assistant coaches because you're you're out on an island a lot of times and and while it's a little different i think as an assistant because you maybe don't have quite the same pressure and stuff if you have guys that are are creative and that you can trust and you can turn things over to, it's just going to make your program that much better. So you grew up, uh, in, in a hockey family. I mean, literally hockey was no choice. I mean, this was, this was who you were going to be. And then your dad talks, a lot of our people may not know who Pete Oss is. So walk through your dad's coaching background and history. Cause I think it's great. It speaks volumes to who you are and who you become today. Well, my dad, uh, you know, grew up in St. Paul and he went to Murray High School and he was the child of a, of a Lutheran minister, my grandpa, George Osh, who quite honestly is probably uh, more well known than, than, than all the rest of us. My grandpa yep. taught at a seminary in St. Paul and, and wrote uh, some, a lot of important papers and I think even a couple of books. And it's amazing when I was young. I'd come out like when I was at Bethel, I, I, I was paying a bill one day at the banking office at Bethel and this older woman, Kay, asked me, hey, are you related to George Austin? I said, yeah, that was my grandpa. And, you know, people would rave about my grandpa. And, and he was a small guy, 5'2", tiny little guy and and just had a huge impact, you know, spreading, uh, spreading the word of God and and uh, just really in the, in the community. And then of course, my uncle Whitey, uh, had quite a bit of success at Kellogg and then at St. Olaf. And so dad, you know, dad was a Murray grad and went on to play at St. Olaf and then started the program uh, coach in Minnetonka for a little bit and taught there and then took the job in Litchfield and helped start the program out there with a guy named, uh, Dr. Cecil Leach, who was also a St. Olaf grad and, and I uh, got a rink built there and coached there for a number of years. And then uh, some something strange happened. I got a, got a call from a guy named Bob Glazeman, who had been the hockey coach in Wilmer and was the AD. And uh, in 85, Bob asked my dad to come over to Wilmer. And, and I tell you, the, the, there was a lot of animosity, Tony, between Litchfield and Wilmer. I mean, it was it really. So now at this point, you're a Litchfield kid. You played I'm ninth, a ninth and tenth kid. grade at Litchfield. Yeah. So that, yeah. this so would I, be like the equivalent of going to Kennedy over to Jefferson or right. or, uh, or Ramsey to Kellogg. I mean, this is these are bitter rivals. Talk about some of the rivalries that you experienced just being a, a Litchfield kid. Well, they, they, they played for something known as the cream can and, and guys like Lee Smith and Pete Stonkey, who are high school coaches would, you know, would be able to vouch for this, that it was really the, the hockey maybe wasn't at that time at the level of, you know, like a Rosa Warroad type of level, right. but the hatred <laughs> was and the rivalry, yes, was very similar and, and really quite honestly, different than anything I've seen in all the years I've been in hockey. And it got to the point where they eventually ended up having to stop playing for the cream can a, a couple of years after I finished, just because the, the games just were worse. I, it was unbelievable. And so it really shaped, I think in me, you know, an appreciation for, for, for rivalries and, and for pride in your community and things like that. And so after 
Um, I played for my dad in ninth grade in Litchfield. I played on the varsity and in 10th grade, Mike Sundin came over and took over for my dad. My dad went to Wilmer and, and I played against my dad in oh, that, cool. in that cream can game. And then my junior and senior year, I, I made the move over with, with my family and, before we and started, you Wilmer. told me a story about a turkey. You told me a story about yeah. fire, firecrackers. Yeah. Do we need to yeah, elaborate well, any more on this? I mean, firecrackers yeah, I mean, in a rink. That blew me away. Yeah. Well, I remember, I, I have a vivid memory of being, quite honestly, and I remember who it was because Lee Smith was a good player. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I remember being tied up with Lee right in front, in front of our student section in Litchfield and all of a sudden, could have sworn somebody had a machine gun in the rink and I looked to my right and there was a block of firecrackers going off on the ice surface. And <laughs> that wasn't, un, that wasn't uncommon or, or people, some Litchfield people went over my sophomore year to Wilmer and spray painted on the building, a fairly derogatory uh, uh, comments. And, and one year they painted some turkeys in Litchfield when Wilmer came in, they painted them red and put streamers on the, on the tails of the, of the turkeys. And I don't think I can say what it said on there, but it certainly wasn't uh, a G rated message. So there was a lot of, there was a lot of creativity. Uh, There was a lot of hard feelings. There was just, it it just was, it it, it, now looking back as a head coach and a guy in my fifties, I go cheapers. I mean, (laughs) that was a little out of hand, but at the time when you're a kid, you're going cool. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, it was like, that was like our state tournament. We were never going to get there at right. that time. We weren't good enough. It was a one class system and we had to get through the Minneapolis schools who back then were, were pretty good. The Washburns and the Southwest and schools yep. like that. And, and then you had Kennedy and Jefferson. And the reality for us is, you know, we, had, <clears throat> my dad did a good job, I think of, of prioritizing stuff of saying, you know, this is our state tournament and this will make our year if we can win these two cream can games and, and things like that. And, you know, I think it really, really developed, uh, you know, me a kind of a coaching sense at a young age. And, you know, I, I'm really blessed to have to have grown up in, in the family I did. And uh, not just hockey, there there's, you know, more important things in life with faith and family and things like that. And I think those are really the two most important things I learned, but, but, uh, not too distant third, not too distant third would have been the hockey. And do you see, I'm I'm fortunate being at the Blaine coach and then the, the, the great rivalry that Blaine and Centennial have, do you see some similarities in the, between the two rivalries? Well, I do. I, I, um, you know, I, I think in the society that, we're living in now, you know, through the 2000s, 20 years later, it's a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. There's a little more political correctness and things like that. And so you maybe didn't see, you know, some of the stuff happen outside of the game that would happen back then. I certainly know for a fact though, with, with things like Minhawk and platforms like that, that you maybe see it more, you know, in yeah. online forums and stuff where there was certainly a hatred and yeah, no doubt about and, that. And I think part of that was, and I think Eric would probably agree. My cousin, Eric, that, you know, Centennial for years um, was a non-factor. And I think when, when Eric came in, he really developed Centennial. I mean, he is what Centennial hockey is today. It's, Correct. it's for everything Eric did. And, and he always maybe had a little bit of a little brother kind of complex when they played teams like Blaine and Hill Murray and White Bear Lake and, and neighboring communities. And then all of a sudden, you know, like we were talking about earlier, you had guys like Tommy Gorowski and RJ Anderson and Flynn's and people like that, that kind of got them over the top. Right? Stutz, you know, guys, guys like that, that, you know, kind of all of a sudden put them over the top and lo and behold, they were state champions and, and uh, it it just what ended up happening, Tony. I I think the thing that really stabilized the rivalry was uh, the year they won it. <clears throat> I think it was my second or third year at at Blaine, and we were not very good. Um, uh, great five and twenty-one to be exact, yeah, but, but yeah. nobody's counting, right? Right. They ended up beating us seventeen to nothing in our rink, and and it was before Christmas. And I remember telling my parents uh, and my wife at the, you know, that 
we used to have uh, Christmas at my Aunt Vange's house, my Uncle Lenny's house, and I said, we're not going. I, I was so pissed about what had happened, and and my wife's like, that's fine. I support you. She got it. She understood being a coach's wife, kind of how humiliating that was. And it turns out Eric ended up calling me Christmas Eve morning. And, and you know, when I look back now, you know, a number of years later, he, he really didn't even need to do that. But he did. He called and he just said, hey, I apologize. We should have called off the dogs. We shouldn't have done that because it was embarrassing. It, it was It was hard. But the coolest thing about that, Tony, is that two years later, a lot of those guys that were 10th graders that year ended up winning our first section championship in, in my time at Blaine. And so there were a lot of tears of, of uh, joy joy and redemption. And, and um, you know, some of the boys that, that had to go through that, it was, uh, you know, I think it was rewarding for them to see the progress they had made from kind of being a doormat also and becoming a power. And, and I owe a lot to guys from that era, um, you know, that, that were a part of that, the Matt McKinnises and the Brad Jurdies and, and, and guys like that, that, you know, that stuck it out and toughed it out. And, and, uh, you know, a few years later, here we are in the state tournament and, so, and uh, it was cool. It so, was really cool. So you guys win. Blaine wins the state title in 2000. And the next four seasons, they win 25, 26, 27 games. That, were there any times where you were kind of second-guessing, like, what am I doing here? I, you, were, you left Bethel with your dad, and you were doing some special things at Bethel, and, and you came to Blaine, and, and it was more of a rebuilding project than you probably had thought. Well, it was, <laughs> excuse me. I, um, when I came to Blaine, it, I think it was the next season that, uh, my dad's team played in the Mayak playoff championship against St. John's and one of the greatest division three hockey games I've ever watched. And John Harrington was coaching the Johnnies at that time. And I, I remember sitting there now as a spectator rather than a coach going, man, I, you know, I should be here. This is, you know, I, I, I was a part of helping recruit a lot of the guys that had played and coaching and, and it was hard for me because I was, I'm going, okay, we're going to win six games this year. And I, instead I could be here doing this. And I, and I loved it at Bethel. I loved, I loved coaching there. I loved the recruiting part. I loved going and watching kids play and calling them and, and trying to convince them to go to Bethel and, and stuff. So I, I, quite honestly, Tony, I, I felt sorry for myself. And remember my daughter, Georgie was just born in Oh two and coming home to my wife at after a night getting beat going, this is it. I, I'm done. I'm going to go back to Bethel after this year. And, and I had an interesting conversation one night where we're watching St. John's and Bethel play and Mark Holmgren, uh, yep. whose son Dan, Danny I had had and, uh, at, at, at Blaine. Mark and I were standing down at the end of the glass because Mark's other boy was playing for St. John's. And I told Mark, I go, Mark, I think this is going to be it for me after this year. And he turned to me and Mark was old school and he goes, well, I didn't take you as a quitter. <laughs> it kind of hit me right between the eyes when he said that. And that conversation really um, was a huge change, I think, in my perspective. And turns out Mark passed away a, a couple of years later in his sleep. And, and I told his wife, Deb, that when I when I went over to visit with, with her um, before the funeral. And it was emotional. I mean, I, I remember crying and going, Deb, I got, I just got to tell you this, that Mark told me something that, you know, probably kept me at, at Blaine. And, and then I, I, you know, I, I was running our summer stuff and I started having kids with names like Richard and Brodzinski and Bukestad and, and Brovold and Tufty and going, boy, for squirts and peewees, these guys are Good. pretty good players and maybe i should kind of reconsider this and you know stay and and thank goodness i did because uh you know it was just a few short years later that you know you start to reap the reward of, of uh, perseverance and staying with it and working with kids and and it, it turned out to be great 
It didn't take long. I mean, it, it, it looks on paper three or four years, but the, the 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 team that lost in the section semifinals, oh four oh five, that must have been a pretty good team where you kind of felt like you were turning the corner. Well, that that was a great team, and that was a that was the one with McKinnis and 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 guys like that that I I just I really. Um, really love that group of kids and I owe them a lot. And, and we got beat by Osseo at the fairgrounds. Elk river ended up winning our section that year. We had beaten Elk river twice during the season. Those were two of the biggest wins early in my career I'd had. And, and I had known Tony Sarzen since I was a young guy. Yeah. There's uh, a connection the, between the Oss yeah. family and Tony there is, Sarzen, yeah. isn't there? Yeah. SARS had, had been a, had been a basically a foster child. My uncle Whitey's home, uh, as a kid. And so I had known Tony for years and Tony, you know, Tony was a tough, rough oh. competitor. <laughs> uh, and a best, guy that right? act, yeah. A guy that actually coached with me here in Brainerd, my first yeah, two years, we right. got him. To, yeah. So anyway, so being able to knock off uh, Tony's teams to me, I, I was really proud of because they were hard to play against. Like they worked so hard. They competed so hard. They took on a lot of his personality. And for, for me to be able to be part of a group of kids that, that knocked them off, I'm convinced had we gotten by Osseo that we probably would have made it that year because we just seemed to kind of have the Elks number that year. And, and unfortunately we didn't, but the next year was a different story for us. And I mean, it was, uh, I, I look back, I really miss a lot of that rivalry with SARS and with Gary Stefano and, and Garrett Strode at Osseo. I mean, those were, tell you what, the Northwest Suburban back then, there were some great teams and some just drag out, knockout, uh, bloody nose type of games. And, and that was a lot of fun as a young guy, you know, learning from guys like SARS and, and Gary and, and folks like that. Yeah, so you've had some epic, you know, you know, epic victories in your career and, and and great success. But you've also been the subject of two of the biggest blowouts ever. The, the one was the seventeen to nothing you talked about, and then there was the fifteen to one loss in the section yep. final. What is that like? I mean, you're living through this. This this just must have been a nightmare. Well, it was it, it was what made it easier though, Tony is. Um, I mean, we had won the section six years in a row. Yep. We we got to a point where I think the the crest on the front of our jersey started to scare teams. And, and quite honestly, the year before we had played Maple in the in the section final, we had no business beating them. Right. And we, was and it we overtime? Did. It was. It was overtime, and they gave uh, Dylan Lambert uh, got credit with the game winner. And actually, when you or excuse me, Michael Brodzinski got credit for the game winner, but actually was tipped by Dylan in front on the power play in overtime. And that is the biggest win I think that I've had in my career, certainly one of the top five. That that was a, a game that, you know, I, I couldn't have been more proud to be a part of a group of, of players that really were not overly talented. I mean, we had the two Brodzinski boys that were obviously good players, but beyond that, we really, and it's nothing against the kids. We just weren't overly talented. We had no business beating Maple Grove. They had beaten us during the year, um, I think twice. We maybe tied or got beaten overtime once against them, but they outplayed us clearly when we played them. They they had far more depth than we did. And so to win that game was huge. And so we go into the next year, um, you know, and Michael Brodzinski, they call him for a major penalty 30 seconds in the game. They score four times on the power play. And, you know, those guys had had a lot of hatred, you know, right. I think to us because we had knocked them out of the playoffs, I know, probably three or four times in the previous six years. And, you know, it was their time and, and they played really well. We didn't. We uh, kind of put our tail between our legs and, and that was hard. That that was a a sobering lesson and 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 one that was really really tough to uh, to get over. But you know what? That stuff builds character, and it didn't kill me. It it probably made me better in the long run. And uh, as hard as it was to go through, um, 
that's the game that happens sometimes. And, you know, there's not a lot you can do. You find out that as a coach, you, you get a little bit arrogant at times thinking, look what I did, look what I did. And then you realize, huh, we got beat 15 to one. Look what I did there. (laughs) Right. Right. It's humiliating. You start to realize that, you know, you're depending on kids from 15 to 18 years old and, you know, you're kind of at their mercy sometimes and, and you're at, you know, there's only so much that you can do and you think you have all this control and you realize you really don't. So, so you talked about the, the sixth, the, the run there where you talked about the badge becomes so important. Um, the game I remember, uh, one of the, the, one of the best games I remember that you were involved in was the semifinal game. I think it was 08 or 09 versus Eden Prairie where you guys, Friday night game and you have the lead for most of the game. What do you remember about that game? Well, I remember that vividly. Um, we had, that was a semifinal. And I believe it would have been Oh nine. I think Bugie yep. was the 10th grader and, and we scored, I believe first a kid named Clayton Wagaman, one of the Wagaman twins and clay was a third liner for us. And this, this kind of, uh, quite honestly, Tony, I think summarized kind of our run. Clay was a third line guy. He was one of our captains. We had named him a captain because he just oozed character. He had not a ton of talent. And I'm not saying he wasn't a good player because he was, but in relation in to, other, to Nick Bukestad, yeah, right? To the to the guys we had, he scored a huge goal. I'll never forget him kind of Eden Prairie, there were a bunch of students up in the upper deck all wearing white that night. And I remember Clay kind of grabbing, you know, the big thing in those years was to grab your jersey and flash your logo. And I remember going, oh, boy, Clayton, <laughs> come on, <laughs> let's let's back off here. And then Bugie, I, I can't remember if Bugie scored before Clayton or he scored after, but Nick comes down on a great, great goal, too, kind of goes end to end and cuts in front of the net and tucks it around the goalie and ends up crashing into the corner. And I remember going, boy, we're, we're in good shape. We're going to roll here. Well, we got in the locker room after the first period and, and our guys were so giddy, you know, like, Hey, this is done. We're over. And I remember going in, you know, coaches would sit outside in the hallway and kind of yep. talk, about, okay, what are we going to say here? And we had a plan of what we we're going to say. And it ended up me going in there going, Hey boys, you know, you better be ready here. Cause this game is, far from over and and uh you know the eagles uh lead turned the tables on us and you know i can't remember if it ended three two or four two but they had Rao and they had uh nick letty and 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 um you know it reminded me a lot of the of 06 when we made it to the semis and we played Cretan and right nobody knew who ryan mcdonough was and i'm going through the game and and I'm I, when I've gone back and watched and realized how much McDonough controlled the game, and really he was an unknown at the time. And yeah, it was it was very reminiscent of when when Creighton won it in '06 when they beat us. And those are those are really hard, Tony, for for guys that you know guys that have made it to Friday night and to get beat on Friday night is absolutely devastating. And you're so remember, close, right? Oh, you're you're so close. I remember in 06, uh, we had the all tournament team or something like that, and we the coaches had to meet during the state championship, and and Bill Lechner happened to walk up, and I think they were rank one in 06, and we were two or three, and we both got beat on Friday, and I remember going to Bill. Bill, this should be us out here playing right now, <laughs> and him kind of rolling his eyes, going, "Oh man, I know," because I think. Uh, I believe Rapids beat them that year because I think that yeah. was Creighton Rapids yep. in the final. But anyways, you, you just you kind of go, you know, is this ever going to happen for me again? And and uh, fortunately, it did again when we played Eden Prairie. But we got the same result, and and that was devastating. And quite honestly, the next year, Tony was really one of the hardest losses I had. We I think it was the next year we played Apple Valley. Um. Hudson fashion yeah. and, and a few other guys. And I remember, but I could see the writing on the wall. We had, we had had five or six guys in the elite league that year and we struggled in the playoffs and I knew we were exhausted, like mentally exhausted. So I could kind of see it coming. Right. Um, we ended up getting upset and it's not because we didn't play well. We had plenty of chances, but their goalie kind of stood on his head that night and, or that day. And, 
we ended up getting beat the next day too by Rosa in the consolation. But our kids kind of had that year. I think our kids kind of thought it's going to be a state championship or it's going to be nothing. And and uh, it's it's unfortunate because that <clears throat> that was a good hockey team and. You know, sometimes you run into a hot goalie and a team that plays you very, very well. And Jerry Hayes is a heck of a coach and had a great game plan for those guys that game. And, and uh, you know, it wasn't meant to be. It it, uh, it ended pretty, pretty tough. And, uh, you know, it was hard to say goodbye to a lot of those guys because we had some great kids that year with Bukestead, Gavin Tufty, and... Taylor Richard and Eric Scheid and guys that have gone on and played a long time, you know, beyond, beyond Blaine high school. So that, that was a tough one. That would be tough. Um, so you've coached for 14 years at, at Brainerd, I mean, Blaine, and then all of a sudden an announcement comes over the wire or Twitter or whatever, that Dave Oss has taken Archibald's job in, in Brainerd. How did this come about? That's, that is not the norm. Uh, that that immediately told me that when I read that tweet, I'm like, well, Dave Oss is different. He's not your everyday uh, guy. You know, he, he, he saw something there that, that he wanted to do. And what was it that you set out to do? Well, I think Tony in the years leading up, we had the 15, one loss to Maple in the section final. And that took a chink out of the armor a little bit. The next year we got upset by, Champlin in the semis and we had a heck of a team that yeah. year. Yes. And then the the following year, I, I'm convinced to this day we had the most talented team in the state. I mean, we were loaded. And we ran into Centennial and and uh you know, I think we attempted something like seventy five or eighty five shots, not all of them on the net. We had, I don't know, forty five, fifty shots on net to their twenty and they ended up beating us two to one and I mean, I had guys, I had, uh, you know, Ian Scheid and Riley Tufty and the Noterman boys, and Nick Simpson, Tyler Klein, Dallas Gerads, who's playing at Mankato. I mean, yeah. we, we had, we were good. And <clears throat> I drove home that night on the bus, got back to the rink and we live right by the rink in Blaine five minutes away. And I came home and my kids are all crying. My wife's crying. My mother-in-law, we were at her house. She's tearing up and my brother-in-laws were there and I'm, I came home and I had thought on the bus ride. I'm like, I, this has been great. It's been fun, but it's time for somebody else to do it. I've, I've been really blessed to do this. And I, I walked in the kitchen and to a bunch of tears. And I said, tonight's the last game I'm coaching at Blaine. This I'm done. I, I think it's time. I want, I was starting to feel a little bit, I don't know, stale and maybe like, you know, we've kind of done everything we could. We're leaving the program in better hands. And when I got it, um, I just felt like I, I needed something different. And I wasn't sure. I didn't know anything about the bringer job until I was at the grade eight. Right. You know, a month later. And I ran into a former teammate, Danny Tollefson uh, from Wilmer, who had been coaching in Wilmer. And he said, Hey, I said, he asked how it was going. I said, oh, Tully, I, I think I'm going to resign and I'm looking for somewhere else. And he goes, well, the Brainerd job's going to be open. And I'm like, are you kidding me? He's like, no. And I thought, well, the lakes, my parents had a lake place up here. And I said that, you know, they've got a nice rink, two sheets, all this stuff. And I'm like, I didn't want my kids going to a high school, you know, graduating with 700 kids. My kids were at the Centennial schools and my wife taught there and they certainly weren't going to go to Blaine, not because there's anything bad about Blaine, but they just would have been numbers there. And, and I, I thought, you know, I can take them up there. My boys can play baseball, which they'd never done. They can golf, they can play football. They can do all these things that I wasn't quite sure would ever happen. In a big school, right? Yeah. In a big, in a big school. Either Blaine or Centennial. It's just going to be tough. Neither. Yep. Neither one of them. And it turns out, you know, I think my girls would have been just fine because they've obviously played on some great teams here. I mean, right. Our first year, our first year up here, my, my oldest daughter, Georgie played in the state championship against uh, Forest Lake. And, and the guy coaching Forest Lake was my college roommate and teammate, Darren Thompson. So uh, it, it was, it was really cool. And, 
and the girls have have been really lucky because they they were able to you know to be a part of two state tournaments and and uh, to play in a state championship game and and uh you know something that <clears throat> when they were young i've got pictures in my house of our of our uh six section finals and in, in every one of those pictures my girls are standing on the ice with our team and and my dad after so it was really kind of neat now for them to kind of go from you know watching witnessing doing, this right? on the girls side to them being able to be a part of it and and that that's really kind of you know something that probably well i know wouldn't have happened had we stayed stayed down there so and then my, you know, my boys, it's been good. My, my older son, Olaf broke his leg a week before tryouts this year. So he didn't get to play and he loves hockey and he's developed great friendships with some great people here. And my younger son, Yari is, is really blossomed. I think Yari is going to be a heck of a player. He's a, just a tough little sucker. And it's, it's been fun uh, following him and the race court team this year. And, and just, you know, things, Tony, that I don't know that I would have been able to appreciate quite as much had we had we been there. And and then it just, you know, some of the pressure of, you know, the, the expectations were, you know, the years we didn't make it, people were just, you know, like, hey, what in the world? What's going on? What's wrong? And and uh, it not wears on you, not, doesn't it? Yeah. And there, there's pressure here, but the pressure here, I think, is more self-imposed. You know, there, we want to get over that hump here, and but it's different here. You're going to have you're going to have stretches like the last few years here. We've had teams that certainly had chances. We were in the section final a year ago, and just you know that close to to making it. And you know, I'd really like to have a chance to get there again. And I also want to have a chance to coach my boys, which is. Yeah. something I would I wouldn't have done had I stayed at Blaine because they would have been centennial kids and and so th- there were a lot of um a lot of things a lot of factors that that went into into leaving and it had been something that I had been thinking about for years I had had a chance to go to Bethel and take over there when my when my dad was going to be done and and I didn't I I couldn't I couldn't leave what I had going at Blaine at the time. We have, were in the middle of a streak of state tournament appearances and stuff. And, it, you know, those are hard things, uh, you know, to, to, to decide on. And right. it just felt and like good decisions, time, tough ones, but fun ones to make. Right. Yeah. Yeah, they are. And, and I, you know, the, there were a lot, you know, I had opportunities. There were, you know, there were some jobs that, you know, I maybe could have taken it a couple of places where I had people calling me and I, and I thought about it and I didn't. And quite honestly, you know, like I said to you before we started the interview, I think sometimes God's got you in a place he wants you. And, and right now I feel like I'm supposed to be here. And, and quite honestly, at the end of life, what's going to be far more important than anything is how we raise our kids and and we look after our kids and teach them the right things. And, and this has been really a blessing uh, for us in Brainerd. Speaking of blessings, uh, one of them is a guy named Drew Peterson, a guy who lives in Brainerd who I've gotten to know because of his great outdoor rink and, and the la- you know, the, what, what they've done there. And, and I just think the world's, we talked about this before we started the interview, with how worlds collide. You know, you've had experience with Andrew Carroll and him taking his life, and and Drew's stepson took his life, and there's the special ed connection and the their event. I want you to tell us a little bit about the event the, that Drew puts on in his backyard because I think it's it's such a worthy uh, a few few minutes here to talk about what he's done in, in Brainerd. Yeah, well, Drew is just about one of the highest quality men you're you're going to come across he's he's he coached our squirt he coached my son this year he was the squirt a coach and i couldn't have asked for a better role model a guy that's in control emotionally that looks at the big picture that's not you know not looking out only for his kid axed and he's looking out for all 11 or 12 kids that we had on our team and and is a, is a, a father to, to a number of boys that his boys are just great kids. Axton and my youngest Yari are, 
are inseparable. They're, they're best friends. They love each other like brothers. And, and we're so fortunate to, to have Drew in our community. And, and, and obviously he's, you know, with, uh, with, with his stepson, Jake, uh, Jake Hopajoki and the Hopajoki family is, it's just another great family uh, that's been here for years in Brainerd and, and uh, to go through what they went through was devastating. And that, that death actually happened uh, a few years ago. We were, um, we were going to play in the semis against uh, St. Michael down in St. Michael. And that probably was one of the best teams that certainly I've had in Brainerd, if not the best. And the day of the funeral, we had to go down and play St. Michael and, and it was as hard as it was to get beat um, because we were good enough to make it that year. We had beaten Moorhead five, nothing, I think a month before in our rink and they had a heck of a team. Right. Um, that year. And so I thought, boy, we're going to go. And then Jack Evans broke his hand with about a month left. And, uh, we had the suicide and, and Matt Fisher's grandfather died the week of the playoffs. And we had all these things that kind of life things that were thrown at us. And I remember calling Tony Sarsland, uh, cause he had been, a, he was in Florida at the time and, he had gone through a similar thing uh, in Elk River with a suicide there of, of uh, a young man who had a brother on his team and, you know, just kind of ask him and he's like, Hey, if there's no timeline for your kids dealing with this, they're going to all deal with it in their own way. And as hard as it was to get beat, um, <clears throat> it does teach you about perspective and what's important. And, you know, Andrew Carroll had, had passed, um, or would pass eventually too. And, you know, Andrew was like a little brother to me and, and to our family. It was devastating, devastating and absolutely awful. And, you know, it's time times like that, Tony, that, you know, your faith where, you know, where I'm, I feel fortunate that, you know, we have the faith in our family. We do because uh, I, I can't imagine going through life without, you know, without that, it, it would have been overwhelming. And, and I know Drew, you know, Peterson's are, are a faith uh, family and, you know, certainly they had to, had to lean on that during that time too. So it, it was devastating and Drew, you know, Drew and, and, uh, and Jake's son, Al, or brother Alex came up with this idea to start the, uh, Jacob. So Alex is about 20 years old, right? Yeah, Alex yeah. is yeah about twenty. Graduated a couple of years ago, and and Alex had been a hockey player when he was younger, and then stopped baseball playing. Baseball player, yeah, yeah, big baseball player plays. I met CLC him, and, and, and boy, and you know Alex, he has got some major charisma, right? I mean, literally, he, he just does. he just brought me right in and said, "Here's what we're going to talk about today." And I was like, "This, I love this kid," and he told me all about his tournament, told me about all the details, and it was like. There was he was just brimming with pride about his tournament and his brother Jake and it was it was a neat uh, encounter that day. Oh, it, it it just yeah it is and it, it's it's tragic that you know sometimes <clears throat> sometimes in life we have to learn things uh, go through things like this but you know for whatever reason it, it's part of the plan and and they've they've ran this tournament now the last two years and you know i've tried to i've kind of reached out to a few media people that i that i knew pretty well you know when i was at blaine saying hey i really think you know like fox sports or a uh, channel five or somebody should come up here and yeah and cover this because it's such a worthwhile uh memory uh events and and a way to bring our community together um you know again uh the circumstances are are pretty awful it's it's horrible to have to go through it um but i do think that it's brought this community together yes um, in 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 a way that um you know like i said you wish it was in some other way but it is what it is and life's got to go on and we got to go forward and we, we want to celebrate the memories of, of people like Andrew and, and, and Jake, um, you know, and what they brought when they were here. And, and uh, like I said, it's a great celebration. And Drew, 
last summer added on to his rink. He added another seven feet on each side. So I, I spent a little time last he summer blacked, helping. He blacktopped it. Yeah, too. He, he did. I mean, this yeah. isn't just your st- standard backyard rink. This is like. No, no, this is the real deal. And it's a great, it, you know, it reminds me of what, what is it, the sawmill in Stillwater, kind of a rink that that's, yeah. you know, about that size. And, and uh, I, I keep, you know, we even had practices for our squirt team over for there sure. this winter. And if, if Drew could, he would put a, a roof over the top. Yeah. And he's tried. But obviously, you know, there's restrictions city here. City probably in the wouldn't city, allow that, but, right? Yeah. But it, it's it's really a cool rink. And, uh, you know, I got over to help him flood early in the year a few times. And, um, yeah, the guy's amazing. He's an amazing guy, and and he's got a great family and and great kids. And uh, I, I gotta describe yeah. what I saw in a video and tell me if I got it right here. There's probably four, three, four deep around this rink watching your community form three on three teams to play for some type of trophy. And the money raised was raised by Alex and his family and and, and Drew to to support his brother's cause. Is that pretty accurate? That would be pretty accurate. Yeah. And I what I would really um you know, I, I've been thinking about this. I'd really like to, it, it gets a little bit hard because it's on a Saturday, but yeah. you know, like I thought about reaching out to Chris Carroll down at Blaine because Chris, you know, obviously went through right. this with Andrew and saying, Hey, if you got five kids that want to come up here and form a team and, cool. and, and reaching out to John Ammerman and Moorhead because they went through a very a tough loss, with a former yeah. player and, and maybe maybe that's down the road here where I start reaching out to some of my coaching buddies and go, hey, you know, if you're not playing this Saturday, why don't you send a group of kids over and, you know, and the kids, you know, it's competitive. Like, oh, like yeah. it's, it's fun. I mean, it gets it gets pretty intense. But at the end of the day, when it's all done, Drew climbs up on a snow-filled roof and he gets everybody on the ice and takes a group picture of, you know, 200 people that are there. And it was they neat. Have food trucks this year and. All it was a kinds big party. It was a big party. It, it, it's a huge party. It starts early in the morning. My my son Yari's team actually won his age division this year, and uh, that was a highlight of the winter for Yari and Axton and and some of those guys. It it's uh, it's really really cool. And the game of hockey, like no other game, I think, just brings people together and. You know the other the other really tough thing this winter, I'm Tony. Go- I was just gonna get to it. I was just gonna yeah. get to this. I, I, can I set this up really quick? Because yeah. And then yep. you're gonna finish it, okay? So, uh, Marshall Bader's a young man who died in uh, a farming accident in Grand Rapids, and your team was set to play them. And I got a call. I got a call from someone. I think it was either Brainerd or Grand Rapids. No, it was it was Grand Rapids called me and said, well, now we got to play this Brainerd team. This other team backed out. And, and it really wasn't going to be that close of a game. And what happens next? Well, what happens is Andy Shermone is coaching the team. And this is where the hockey, these strange connections and where God, I think, is in play. Andy was my assistant at Blaine for a few years. So and he's Andy a Grand now, Rapids guy, right? And now he's a I Falls guy, but now he's living in Rapids yep. and he's coaching his guy. One of his boys is on that team. And I call Andy and I'm like, geez, Andy, I, the Sunday night after the, this tragic accident yeah. happened and I go, man, is what I'm hearing true? And I mean, Andy's choked up going, yeah, I mean, it's awful. And it turns out they invite us to go over. So my team, we're playing in Sartell this night, and I keep hearing rumors from my wife and from Drew Peterson and some of the other folks that are involved that they're going to fill the rink up at Rapids. Now, I'm guessing you've been at a game at Rapids. Yes. Not a, there is not a better place to play a high school game. Yeah. So <clears throat> they're casting it, they're webcasting it, and I'm watching before why our guys are warming up, and I'm showing Kurt King. I'm going, Kurt, look at the look at my phone. And we're watching the whole rink is packed. Yeah, for a I mean, squirt like, A game. For a squirt A game. And I'm thinking this is hopefully very uplifting for the family. And then and selfishly I'm kind of going, boy, what a what an experience for our little guys in Brainerd to have to A 
come out emotionally and play against a team that I'm sure is just obviously is just devastated about Marshall's depth or right. depth. But then also to have to play in front of 3000 people with a high school band there. And I'm going, wow. I mean, I was pissed. I had, I mean, I was really bummed that I had to miss the game, coach our game because a, I wanted to be there. I wanted to support, you know, the Bader family. I wanted to support Andy Shermone, my former assistant. I wanted to support my son, but, I remember calling my wife and my wife just describing going, I, I just, I've never seen anything like this. It was just uh, really neat how, <clears throat> you know, how thankful and again, blessed we are that Rapids reached out to us and, and uh, now, that after we were the able game, to. Something happened after the game. I don't even know who won the game. It's not important, but there was something the the Grand Rapids <laughs> I, I was obviously following it on Twitter, but after the game, uh, this, I believe it was one of the coaches for Brainerd pulled the teams aside and brought the teams out and, and gave a talk. Do you know, can you elaborate on that? Yeah, well, I think it was, you know, I think Drew probably said something to Andy beforehand, and, and Andy did just a, a just a great job before the game of getting on the mic and talking about Marshall and reading a letter from Marshall's family, I believe, and things like that. And I thought, boy, I was really proud of Andy. You know, I would have choked up. There would have been no way I could have gotten through it. And Andy got a little bit choked up, but got through it and just did a great job of representing their community. And then after the game, I believe <clears throat> Drew called both teams together. And again, Drew being a guy of faith, you know, got both teams to do a prayer, which I, I just, you know, in, in today's age, I think is speaks volumes about, um, you know, about his faith. And, and certainly there are kids on our team whose families are, you know, have some, have some uh, Christian faith to them. So it was, it was, it was really neat for me to see the pictures after the game of those guys, uh, yeah, the, doing that, and and the next day, actually, Tony, I I went up there on Saturday. I I went up with Drew and Yari and Axton, and it was uh, it was a little bit of a letdown for me because it wasn't obviously the same atmosphere, but the 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 feel, you know, and the rink and the way these other communities I think supported uh, Grand Rapids hockey and the Bader family even more importantly was just really. Uh, something special and you know i'm a twitter guy and a facebook guy and a lot of times i'll see stuff that drew will will post and i'll see a, a follow-up from mr bader where you know he's made a comment about you know thanks for doing this and we wish marshall were there and it it just it, it's really tough i mean we i think we all feel for them and yeah, and uh, we'll do whatever we could, uh, whatever we could to support them. Yeah, this is. A, I got a note from a Grand Rapids dad, and then a subsequent conversation about it, and how blown away the Grand Rapids community was by what the Brainerd people did, and and how the how they supported them, and and Drew came in big, and it was just it was a neat uh, memento of the whole you know very difficult situation. Yeah, it, it it was cool. It was cool. We rewatched it on our TV once in a while. We've got a one of those TVs you can get your yep. internet through it. So I've watched it, and it is it is kind of we giggle a little bit now at parts of the game. I Yari actually one of our boys scored the first goal, and then Yari scored about a minute later. And my my, my wife said there was a little bit of booing when our, when our guy scored, and I thought, oh, that's awesome. I mean, it, there's still that what was neat about it was there's still that competitive yeah. fire about it too, as, as emotional as it was. I mean, that's a hard rank to, I mean, I, I've never won there uh, since I've been, we've beaten Rapids. We beat them here the last couple of years, but I had, you know, the first three play. years. Yeah. We had gone there and, and we, we really could have beat them the year they won it. We had no business and we somehow, uh, Matt Fisher was a 10th grader that year. We somehow uh, nearly knocked them off, but that's a hard rink to play. I mean, you have fans, there's no glass behind the bench. So no. if no, somebody's unhappy not. with you, they're going to, they're going to tell you right in your right ear, right next to you. And it's a hard place to play. And, and that's why, you know, for our young guys to, to go in there and experience that is, 
Um, Pretty special. It was really a special experience, yeah. Well, this has been a special experience, Dave. I getting to know you and and learn about your background in in in, in youth hockey and 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 Wilmer and Bethel and everything. It's been a, it's been a great trek, one hour with you, and I appreciate your time. I really do, and I really appreciate everything you've done for the hockey community, whether it be in Blaine or in Brainerd or in every everywhere in between. Well, I appreciate that, and I always love talking hockey, and I appreciate what you do too, Tony. It's uh, <clears throat> a strange time right now obviously Very. here in in our country and and uh it's it kind of makes it that much more special i think to be able to talk about the greatest game ever invented so it's i appreciate it and uh, i appreciate you you reaching out this might be the greatest podcast ever done i really <laughs> do i feel i feel great about it thank you for for uh, making the call and uh, we'll see you around the rink soon that sounds good thank you